Testing, testing. Are we live? Can you hear me, people? Good folks of the internet. Am I coming through? Can you hear me? Do you feel safer in the world now that my voice is in your eardrums? Now that we are live in the morning with the information, with the facts, with the figures, with the real truth, all the numbers and the good stuff. Am I coming through? Let me just uh, let me just check this. Let me just check. Testing. There we go. All right. I think I can be heard loud and clear. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast with the morning briefing for today, April 1st. 2022. I don't know why I put the digs coming up first and foremost is I'll plug the sorrow form first. You know why? Because Gene texts me the most. Gene keeps texting me. How can you unplug? I'm plugging Gene. I'm out here. I'm letting people know. Sorrow form coming up next week. Should have some good fun jokes and show up laughing my jokes so that the other people know that they can laugh at my jokes because we're going to be talking about all the stuff that's going on except for the stuff that the topic of that day, which is uh, whether or not we should go to war with China because I'm not going to get involved with that. I'll leave that to the policy experts. That's why people are there. You hear the debaters talk about the policy experts, and I'll just be there with the dumb jokes. Uh, Also, this weekend, I'm hoping to bombard both Clint, Angela, and Scott Horton with my podcast gear, kind of like Home Alone style. I'm going to bring my own, my old, my old school yak pack. Was that what that thing was called? I'm actually such a hoarder. I actually think I have that thing in my parents' attic. It'd be fun to uh, maybe rebuild that so that it actually worked as a uh, traveling podcast studio. Anyways, I'm hoping I can get a hold of those guys because I got all sorts of questions I'd like to ask them. I've got them uh, written down on a piece of paper. I didn't actually write them down, but I was thinking in my head, hopefully I can get a hold of those guys for a little bit and uh, I can get you guys a podcast. If you're in the Connecticut area or you're game to travel, I'm going to be, I think they got me a hotel room, in which case orgy, hang out for the orgy. I'm going to get hammered and uh, hopefully hit those guys with a bunch of questions, get a live podcast out of it going to be doing a half hour stand up at the end and then introducing speakers. And uh, let's get into today's episode because uh, we've got a guest coming on in a bit and I am stacked with a lot of interesting topics. What do we got? What do we got? What's on the agenda? Uh, so first up is the world is acknowledging that Hillary paid for the steel dossier and that Hunter Biden is a no good rascal. Can we travel back in time when this would actually make a difference? Or how about we compromise, build a wall and have a national MAGA hat day? Uh, all right. That's one topic we're going to address next is with rampant supply line issues and ever increasing, uh, prices is now the time to buy your child a new dick. That's a, that, that's an important one. Uh, why Hunter Biden is proof that you should have poor friends. The real voice behind the gas digital introduction. This is scandalous. People keep the people, people keep uh, coming up to me, asking me if it's me and I'm not getting any of the royalty checks. These people, they stole my image and likeness, my voice, my entire character as the introduction for every single show. I'm not seeing a dime off of it, but we're going to get to that later. I'll tell you guys who actually, who who is behind the scandal. Uh, the other things we got on the agenda is why cripples don't belong at orgies. Uh, should the Fed pick hyperinflation or black jobs? And then summer porch tour, the porchiest summer ever. So let's start with the first topic of today, which is uh, buying your child a new dick before they run out. And so what is going on in the child dick market that they might start running out of penises and you might find that you can't afford one for your child when your child goes, oh, how come all the other kids are getting dicks for Christmas? And I, I want to I try and be a boy too, because I'm a girl, even though I got this boyish voice, I, I really want to be a girl. And Daddy, the, the rich kids, they can afford dicks. How come I can't have a dick? You don't want to be that parent. You want to be that parent on Christmas morning, having to look your little girl who wants to be a boy in the face and just going, I can't, I can't afford a new dick for you, honey. 
the, the factory, I'm already working two shifts. I can't take on a third shift. And so Biden, you know, he's he's going to increase prices in the dick market, in the child dick market, because you got some of these senators and congressmen and and uh, governors live in conservative states. And they go, listen, we're not going to make kids dicks available. We're not going to do that. We think once you're an adult, that's the time to start making decisions if you want to be making changes to your body. Hormone therapies. This isn't something we should be talking about in schools. And, you know, this is something that uh, you should explore when you're an adult with your own money. But then Hunter Biden comes along. I mean, not Hunter Biden. I don't know why I keep calling Joe Biden Hunter Biden. It's because, you know, maybe Joe Biden is actually just Hunter Biden in, in, in an old suit, like that old uh, uh, Six Flags commercial, you know. And so that's why Hunter Biden is so youthful. It's because it's actually uh, Hunter Biden inside of Joe Biden. I'm going to work on practicing saying Joe Biden because I keep calling him Hunter Biden. And it's just reinforces the fact that I'm actually a dumbass and I'm trying to be out here and give you guys all the good information. So I don't want you guys sitting there going, Hey, Rob's a dumbass. I want you guys thinking, man, this guy's super, super smart. So I got to practice that. Okay. So this was Joe Biden in the New York post. Here's the headline. Biden says trans people um, made an image of God and parents must affirm identity. And if you're saying that trans people were made in the image of God, are you saying that God messed up like he had a soul and then he accidentally put the one of the souls in the boy body? He's like, shit, now I got to I got I to fix number of souls here. And I got to put this boy soul into that girl's body. I got the two bodies. I had my designated souls. I mean, if you're like or you're saying that God purposely likes to torture kids, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking that there's certain individuals and we all come to earth and God gives us each a test and directives that we're not really supposed to make these altercations, but God tests each and every one of us as some of us, he makes us in their image, but purposely with the need for science to come around and correct his mistake. That's, I guess the God, the God that Joe Biden believes in, which uh, reminds me of a joke I never told on stage because people didn't think it was funny. I told it once and no one liked it, but I'm going to, this is an opportunity. This is why you broadcast from your living room because then you don't have to look at the audience when they just stare at you. You can just imagine that there's a room full of people that loved what you had to say. And then you can move on to the next thing. But I, I once tried, I was once at a concert and uh, I went to see widespread panic. I don't know if I ever uh, told this story on the podcast. I once went to see heights, uh, widespread panic. And I went alone to see widespread panic. And I was a real, real lightweight at the time. And I took an edible and I got so messed up on this edible. I was like convinced that I was going to have to leave. And uh, I was also chewing on uh, some tobacco. Dude, fucking nicotine is the best, especially when you're kind of losing your mind because you ate too much of an edible because you're a weed lightweight. And I sit down to this next to this dude and he's this old Jewish guy. He's a lawyer. I'm pretty sure he was just me from the future. And he's like, dude, I've been taking acid for the last three days. You can. And like, I just sat down, I was shooting the shit with him. And at some point he said to me, just remember, God never gives you more than you can handle. And I've heard this phrase before. God never gives you more than you can handle. And it's like, yeah, but what about the people that commit suicide? Do you think they get up there and God's like, ah, shit, you know, I, I gave you more than you can handle. I fucked out, you know, human misery. It's a tough equation. I'm sorry. I, I maybe I should have spaced out when you lost your job and your wife cheated on you. That was my fault. And then you're like, well, do I get to go to heaven now? And you go, no, that's not the way it works. You know, you killed yourself. That's the rules. So, I mean, it's my fault. I messed up the math, but you're, you're still going to have to go to hell. All right. Anyways, back to these tranny dicks that they're trying to give to kids. Uh, so Biden's calling it uh, Biden. This is from uh, what's what the fuck is this from? Maybe Daily News or something. Changing America. Biden honors transgender day of vi visibility. 
And I kind of thought that that's an insensitive name because what this community really needs is an America with dimmer lighting. That's what these people really need is that every time you're out in a bar, there are dim lights and the technology keeps getting better. And then you keep going home, go fucking there's a dick here. Not again. All right. All right. Turn over. Turn over. All right. I'll work. I'll work with it. Uh, <laughs> and so here's what uh, what he had to say. To parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. Any transgender American who's struggling, please know you're not alone. And there's is there anything uh, less that makes you feel less safe in the world than a Biden trying to talk to your kids and going, I'm here for you. You're not alone. Remember that the Biden family of sniffers is here to protect and make sure that you feel safe. And here's my real question is, what is the science behind this? All right, let's take a step back so that I can get my woke credibility here and people realize that I'm not just an evil asshole and total bigot. I mean, I make mean jokes, but, and and maybe you go to hell for that. Any priests out there, you go to hell for making dark jokes, uh, cause whatever. Anyway. So, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're an adult, go make whatever changes you want, be happy. I have no idea. I, like I've said, I think it's a technology issue. I think we might get to a point where you can just swap your gender all the time and we can all have a good time. You spend some time as a lady, some time as a man, who the fuck cares? Chaos is just the emergence of new patterns not yet readily understood. I don't care about any of this. Go enjoy your life. But when it comes to the kid thing, like, are we sure about this? Are we sure that we're advocating for something good? And do we have actual good science behind this to suggest that people can make the recognition from an early age that they've been uh, born into the wrong body and that it would be easier for them to make those changes while they're young and that they will be happier as an adult because they made these changes. Do we actually have the data that we can say for certain that this is the right move? Because I would just think that you could be looking at proper data. I broke this down on part of the problem the other day to go that scientifically this is the better move. So speaking to that data, here was the information that they were coming forward with. For transgender and non-binary children and adolescents, early gender affirming care is crucial to overall health and well-being as it allows the child or adolescent to focus on social transitions and can increase their confidence while navigating the healthcare system. The NCTSN wrote in their release, it may include evidence-based interventions such as puberty blockers and gender-affirming hormones. Um, Dr. Steven, our non-scientist resident doctor who listens to the show, will you dig into this data released from this public agency? Because from everything we've seen on COVID, we know that they're not that great at representing the data. And this is this is interesting to me because I would wonder how you could possibly have the data to know that to, to make this. Because I would think here's here's all you need. You got to start polling kids when they're age at every single age, right? Whether or not they think that they are the gender that they were born into. And then 20 years from now, you keep asking these people, hey, do you still feel that way? And then you see how many of them transition. I'm willing to bet that the information here is based on a look back, which is asking adults who have transitioned, would this have been easier on you if you had done it as a kid? And that's a hindsight's 20. Of course, of course, if you're 100% sure that you want to make this transition, and as an and as as an adult, you do make that transition. I will grant you that it's probably easier to do when you're younger, and you probably would have liked to have lived more years as the gender that you identify with. 
but how many people at ages five, six, and seven might make the wrong call? And now it could be that it's zero. And if the answer is zero, then yes, I guess you have the scientific evidence to suggest that for kids identifying as the wrong gender, they can make that assertion and you might as well invest in it early because if you invest in it early, it's easier for them. I would wonder how you could possibly have that data. That would mean that 20 years ago, you were keeping good records on people identifying as being the wrong gender and how many of those people stood by that 20 years later. So I, I would guess that you don't possibly have that data. All right, let's read a few more from these articles. This is from Fox News. The Department of Health and Human Services of Population Affairs released a document Thursday titled Gender Affirming Care and Young People. The same day, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services and Administration National Child Traumatic Stress Network. Jesus Christ, there's a lot in that name. Another subset of the HSS. <laughs> you know you're doing bullshit work when you have incredibly long names and you're not even the, the, the parental organization. You're the uh, subset of another organization. Let's just read that again because that was great. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration's National Child Traumatic Stress Network, which is the subset of the HSS, released a parallel document titled Gender Affirming Care is Trauma-Informed Care. Man, did they pack a lot of bold words into that one. Okay, the HSS document describes what it calls appropriate treatments for transgender adolescents, including top surgery to create male typical, typical shape, uh, chest shape or enhanced breasts and bottom surgery, surgery on genitals or reproductive organs, facial feminization, other procedures. And I just want to make it clear just to showcase how nice of a guy I am and how much I care for these individuals. If we're moving forward with it, I would love to donate my tits to a teenage boy in need. I, I feel like if there's a teenage boy, I got like a solid perky C cup. I feel like if you're an athletic looking teenage kid, maybe a little bit bottom heavy and you're looking to be a lady here, I've got I got the perfect sporty tits for you. So if you're out there in a government organization and you're listening to this and you're wondering how can we afford tits for teenagers looking to become women? I'd love to donate mine to the cause. I just didn't. Uh, and I, I, I listen, will I walk out sexier with a nicer, flatter chest to, to match my stomach? It might work out in my favor, but I'm willing to go through the pain of this surgery of you guys cutting off my tits. So then can I then visit my tits when the kids of age, if the kids over the age of 18, can I, can I come pay my tits a visit? I don't know the way that works, but this is a perfect opportunity to let the listeners of the run out podcast know the dick value is going up, which is why you should protect your dick and invest in sheath. You know, there's supply line issues in the world. We're trying to make more dicks available for kids that want to, uh, you know, switch, swap, swap their genders. And so now's the time to protect the assets that God gave you from birth. And you go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RYM. You're going to get 20% off. The summer months are coming. Who else out there? is getting into is, is going to be doing some biking this season because if you're doing some biking you don't want your dick rubbing up against those bike shorts you don't want it fixing some positions just chafing it down to the point that you're finally having sex with the lady and you're like jesus christ between this and the blue shoes i can't come it's uh this thing i i mean I, this is a nice view and everything but i'm not feeling nothing so you don't want that to happen to you so you know what you do you go to sheathunderwear.com you get yourself a pair of sheath Use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. And then you can spend the rest of your life with your dick comfortably protected by the sheath hole. And uh, like I said, you know, a couple years down the line, your dick, it's going to be worth a lot more. All right, let's take another couple comments before we get into the next uh, topic. 
We've got Ryan Neary letting me know that the sound sounds good. We got Dave Sarah saying, hell yeah. And then we got the green belt glass games saying, zing. All right, let's get into uh, a couple more topics. And then I got a guest coming on. Next is I'm suing Gas Digital for my image and likeness. Have I actually processed this lawsuit yet? No. Am I actually going to acquire a lawyer? I don't know. Is this going to be a radio bit that I scream about and make a whole big stink out of as if I super care? Probably. But every single time, anywhere I go, people, the only thing they want to know, Rob, I got to know, are you the voice of the gas digital filler up? And the answer is no, it's Bobby Hutch. And not only is it Bobby Hutch, that's him there. I got the picture of him conspiring of the exact moment of studying my exact voice, my facial patterns, stealing my image and likeness, just so that every single time anyone listens to a gas digital show, they're ready and they're excited for it. And, 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 and they feel like they're amped up. That was, that's my thing. That guy stole my voice. And by the way, here's the exact moment when, when Bobby Hutch leans over a table to big J and he goes, what I should steal what Rob sounds like, and then not pay him to do the intro on every single gas digital program, even though we are a wealthy network that could afford to pay artists for things like doing voice overwork. That's it. That's the exact moment right there. I don't think you've ever needed further proof of that such a crime has been committed. So I want everyone to know that one, no, I'm not the voice of the intro on gas digital shows and quit bringing it up because every single time you bring it up, it makes me feel worse about the fact that this blatant theft of my image and likeness has taken place by none other than gas digital executive producer, Bobby Hutch, who I consider a friend. I consider Bobby Hutch a friend. And yet he just does an impression of my voice on every single show. He doesn't even ask me, Hey, do you want to do the introductions? Do you want this honor of introducing every single gas digital show quality programming that you can sponsor? <laughs> So I'm just saying, quit asking me. I'm addressing this once and for all. The answer is it's Bobby Hutch. I haven't been paid a penny, even though he's doing an impression of my voice on every single one of the shows. So there's, there's no reason to, to bring this up anymore. All right, next topic. Um, this is from uh, CNN. So you got this guy, Cawthorn. If you've never heard of this Cawthorn person, you can go Google him. I've spoken about him before. He's an incredibly handsome individual who also seem, uh, is also in a wheelchair, and he likes to give speeches where he goes, even though I'm in a wheelchair, I can yell really good. That's his entire thing. That's his shtick, right? So he made this claim. This is from CNN. Let's read it. The sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, being kind of a young guy in Washington where the average age is probably 60 or 70, you look at all these people. A lot of them I've looked up to through my life. I've always paid attention to politics. Then all of a sudden you get invited. We're going to have a sexual get together at one of our homes. You should come. Wait, what did you ask me to come to? And then you realize they asked you to come to an orgy. Some of the people leading um, on the movement to try and remove addiction in our country. And then you watch them do a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, this is wild. So you made these statements on a podcast. And of course, right away, people are like, whoa, who's throwing orgies in Washington? And who exactly was doing coke? Like, people are like, are you going to name names? I mean, you can't just tell us that people are throwing all sorts of parties. And for, I just want to say off the bat that what this individual Cawthorn did was actually very mean to other people, less fortunate individuals who are in wheelchairs, because he's really letting everyone know that people in wheelchairs aren't cool enough to invite to orgies. I mean, here you are. You got the wealthy elites of the world going, listen, I, I know you're in the wheel, but come to our orgy. You're a good looking kid. I bet I bet some of the ladies would be into this. 
And then and then he he just goes and he blows up the spot. He tattletales on all these other individuals. I'd like to know who threatened him because instantly he's been walking it back. He's trying to say that the claims were exaggerated. Who behind closed doors had that meeting where they call? I'm I'm guessing that it was uh that it was uh McConnell, who in my head behind closed doors, McConnell just uh just sounds like Bane. Why are you threatening our orgies? We were kind enough to invite you, even though you're in the wheelchair. And that's got to have been a great moment when someone turned to like, who invited the cripple? Like, of course you don't invite that guy to the orgy. Of course, like, why would you? And someone was like, I was just trying to be nice. You know, the kid's new. He's got a fresh face. He's got a positive outlook. I just, I was trying to be nice to the kid. And they're like, you can't, you can't invite him to the orgies. All right. Last topic before we bring on our guest is I would like to make the argument for why it's important in life that you have poor friends and that the Democrats, as a show of uh, their love of democracy, should personally show up to the border and build us that wall. So let's start with the poor friends. Here's why you should have poor friends. You got Hunter Biden, who ends up taking this giant bribe of a couple million dollars from China jeopardizing Joe Biden's career. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 where's all this money coming from? What's he being paid for? And, uh, you know, is he uh, selling some influence over here? Is this dirty money? So here's what happens. Hunter Biden, you know, he loves himself some crack. He loves himself some hookers. He loves sleeping with his brother's wife. And he turns around, he's getting divorced. And the next thing you know, he's in massive amounts of debt. He's in, I believe, $300,000 worth of debt. And he's not just in $300,000 worth of debt. He also owes money to the IRS. Because when you are the son of the president, you just kind of figure, hey, I'm making money over here, but I don't have to pay my taxes. But he does. You got to pay your taxes. So you got this guy. He's in massive amounts of debt. And he's $330,000 in debt, including, and that's when you, here's what makes no sense. The reason why you take on massive amounts of debt is because you want to pretend like you're wealthier than you are so you can hang out within your social circle. But if you're Hunter Biden and your things, your interests in life is crack cocaine and hookers, you can do that with poor people. You don't need to find wealthy people. That is not your social circle. You can just accept, like, I hang out with poor people, and so I don't really feel like I need money. That's my social circle. I go to a shed every Thursday night. That's the one thing I do. I go to a shed. I smoke weed. I drink beers. I don't need massive amounts of money. I don't need to belong to some social club, so I don't take on massive amounts of debt. It's these people that, for some reason, they think that they need to be within the other wealthy individual groups that they end up taking on all the debt, and then they end up doing shitty things. So I'm just letting you know, have poor friends. If you go out in the world and you have poor friends, you won't feel like you need to belong to some social circle of wealth. You won't take on debt. And then you won't end up ruining your father's political career because you've taken bribes from China. So that addresses the poor friends. Now, the other thing is, all right, not only do you have every single massive media agency is trying to get ahead of this Hunter Biden story because they realized, oh yeah, we totally blatantly lied to you and he might actually get indicted. And that's a not very good for our record. So they're trying to get ahead of this thing and go, oh, look, yeah, yeah, we did report on it three days before he got indicted. Um, You also have that the FEC is fining Hillary Clinton for using uh, campaign funds for uh, basically the whole Steele dossier and pretending like Donald Trump was a Russian agent. That story is unfolding too. I mean, for three years of our lives, 
we watched uh, Donald Trump lose all of his political capital and basically have to address the fact that he was a Russian agent. And I wasn't a fan of Donald Trump, but people voted for him. That was the president that they wanted. And the deep state managed to essentially unseat him. He wasn't able to get anything productive done. And that's in part because they pretended like he was a Russian asset because the Hillary Clinton took campaign funds right? Created this fake steel dossier, went to the FBI, the FBI accepted as a fact, and we all know that story. And now that's starting to come out because Donald Trump is suing Hillary Clinton. That might make for an interesting court case. And so the government once again has to get ahead of this thing and go, oh yeah, what she did was illegal. But now the problem is all this shit is too late. The damage has been done. Like it's over. Hunter Biden's in office. We're nearly in a war with Russia. Energy costs are going up. The damage is done. Like you can't go back in time and undo what these people did. Like they fucking lied to us and there were repercussions. So there needs to be a consequence. There needs to be a consequence that lets everybody know in a ceremonial way, hey, those people lied to all of us. So here's what I think. We need to start having National Donald Trump Day. Everyone's wearing MAGA hats. It It is mandatory nationwide. Everyone wears MAGA hats as a celebration of freedom and as an acknowledgement of the fact that the media and censorship lied to us and they kept crucial information out of our lives, and as a token of support to the conservative party that was ruined by the deep state and the lies of the mass media, we fund the wall, we release people from uh, everyone from the January 6th thing from jail, and Nancy Pelosi ceremoniously has to actually go down there and move the first brick. You know, like how they do ribbon, ribbon cutting ceremonies? I'm talking Nancy Pelosi down there physically moving the first brick because there just needs to be a consequence. I know I'm being silly here, but there needs to be some sort of a consequence because we can't just go, okay, yeah, they lied to us for a bunch of time. And then everyone just moves on with their life. And people still pretend that because the story got reported on, you know, two years later, like you can actually read and trust the media. All right. That is it for the topics I'm going to cover. Let's invite on our guest for today. Uh, Let me just change my screen here. And uh, give me one more second. Ah, we're one slide too far. All right. What is up? I have stuck in the middle joining us on the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me today, dude. Robbie with the fire. What's up? Thanks for having <laughs> me, man. I should have I bought a MAGA hat, man. I love that. <laughs> give me one second. I just got to change my, uh, my settings here on the audio. This is the thrills of going live without a producer. Uh, testing. Oh, there we go. Am I can I hear hot? you. Okay. All right. So firstly, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. I had, I've been on a tirade about the ESG stuff. To me, it's the most interesting topic. And you, uh, you retweeted one of my highlights and then I went to check out your stuff and I was like, dude, this guy gets it. Uh, but I'm not all that familiar with you. So I'd love it if you could just introduce yourself to the fans, let us know a little bit about who you are and uh, what you're about. Yeah, thanks a lot. You can follow me on Twitter with that stuck in the mid profile, as you see right there. I am literally a dude in my basement right now. I Hell yeah, a, dude. Living room, yes. living room, basement life. Yes. <laughs> That's how we do it, man. Just got a Canon, Canon M50 green screen. And here I am. The pandemic really, I never thought I'd be on YouTube, but the pandemic with the George Floyd stuff, and we'll talk about ESG. That's really when it started popping off was right around the pandemic stuff. And I'm a I call myself a, a, a constitutionalist libertarian, aspiring. Um, I got into you guys, you, Comic Dave Smith, Eric July, Tom Wood, all you guys ever since the pandemic and put a, pr- a priority on freedom and liberty. 
So I'm politically, I'm somewhere in the middle between Jimmy Dore and Steve Bannon. So I just have talks like <laughs> I just talk with people like I'm in my living room and let's have a heart to heart citizen to citizen discussion. Well, I think one of the things that uh, that you're doing really well, uh, and I think firstly, you can tell people they can find your content on locals, which uh, I'm not really even that sure how low is it like a Patreon type thing? Locals. Yeah, locals is a is exactly pretty much like Patreon and they're going to integrate with Rumble. So I'm excited to see how that that goes but yeah it's basically like a patriot cool but i think one of the things that you're doing well is uh i think the powers that be try and make things into a race issue and they try and make things into they're, they're trying to divide us and pretending like we need socialism to support particular classes of individuals and the real problem is it's the people in power and it's the institutionalized socialism that's going to benefit them. And from the little bit that I've checked out of your content, I was like, oh, this guy kind of gets that narrative. So I'll hand it back to you uh, to maybe tell us what what in your life kind of exposed you to the fact of, hey, the powers that be are lying to us. And this is this is about their power, not about helping us. I was a blue pill normie just recently. I was an AOC fan. <laughs> um, before the pandemic and the pandemic happened in George Floyd. And I saw people that I really respected change. Like they just changed like into this whole, they, they jumped knee deep into this white supremacy, critical theory. And when, after George Floyd, I was like, wait a second, what is going on here? They were saying you had to stay inside your house, but it's okay if you're out for social justice. And then I was like, wait a second. Then I started digging into stuff, found out about Tim pool, saw comic dave smith on there saw uh part of the problem with you guys and it just opened up my eyes to like whoa there's a lot going on here and they are using and it really pisses me off that they would use the color of my skin and in my opinion a lot of identities like lgbtq and all that too as a cover for their i would call illegal schemes unconstitutional schemes i think corona is such a good example of this because at the beginning of corona I was talking out against all the policies and it was basically me just saying, hey, I think there's going to be unintended consequences here. So at the beginning, when they send people, I was like, dude, you know what that's going to do to prices? You know what that's going to do? I mean, then later on, you know, I don't think I was using the word the supply line, but I was like, you're closing down factories. You're going to spend all of this money. Wait, kids aren't going to be in school. Wait, what is this going to do to people's mental health? Those, those were things that I was talking about. And when I was talking about it, people were going, how dare you? You're going to kill people. And you go, no, no, no. What I'm saying is I think your approach is actually more dangerous than what I'm telling you, which is just common sense. And I feel like when I with all of these issues, I run into the problem where when you're not on the left, the people on the left, like they kind of have this arrogance to them where they get to assume that you're evil. And I run into this problem quite a bit, uh, especially with people like my minorities, where they instantly just assume like, oh, no, 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 you're you're evil. And it's like, no, I think I have a better idea for what we can do to help everybody. It's more like the power of freedom is fantastic and it will help everybody when they're like the government, they're, they're just lying. You know what I mean? It's such a hard thing to like get through people's heads. And it's so easy how it's amazing to me how quickly people will just assume that you're evil for kind of like having my opinions. Yeah. It's interesting how they use that term evil and racist and all this stuff. And it's a lot of it's emotion and yeah. we're having to issue it. It kind of reminds me of when I first got into relationships, 
I was like a cyborg. I was like data from Star Trek. I wasn't really an emotional <laughs> dude. Right. And, you know, women can tend to be more emotional and I wasn't able to communicate. And I think somehow we have to bridge that gap because the people who are saying all that stuff to you, Robbie, they probably had no facts. Right. <laughs> they like literally have no logic, no facts. And then and I have no with... emotions. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you come with logics and fact. You're like, this is logic. This is fact. Like we're looking at the the data here. No, and we're not communicating. So that's where it comes down to, I think. So I got to get, get, get I got to get more in touch with my emotions somehow. I think it's it, not just you in particular. I think everyone who's on the non left because you talk about the don't say gay bill. Nope. They didn't even read the bill. They, it's, I mean, it's it, not even it's called. Not, it's not even called the don't say gay bill. That's the most incredible I part. I keep pointing out on that one because we're all having a conversation about the don't say gay bill. And I would love it. I can't even answer this question. And this just showcases the stupidity of everything we talk about. Who on the left can specifically tell me what was being taught in schools that now because of this bill can't be taught in schools? Like, what specifically are you taking issue with? And nobody can answer that question. So why are we having outrage or conversation whatsoever? Yep, it's straight all emotion. And so they would reply to you with all ad hominems, all emotion, no facts. And how do you combat that? That's they are taking that emotional plea and they are using it to manipulate us. People, a lot of people have good hearts. They want to have everyone be happy. They want to embrace all different identities. And then it's being used to really hide a lot of ugly things. Agreed. All right. So before uh, we dip into the ESG stuff, um, this this was a headline from yesterday. I'm not sure how familiar you are kind of with the uh, uh, have you kind of gone down the rabbit hole yet of reading about uh, the Fed or like the creature from Jekyll's Island or Ron Paul's and the Fed? Or has that not been a topic of interest yet? Oh, I've been I'm not an expert, but I'll, I've been you know, I've been down the rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun rabbit hole, especially as mm -hmm. like. You first kind of, uh, I, I would say, in matrixy terms, you start becoming aware of the fact that they're lying to us, and then you start wanting to understand the levels of it. And then uh, the the biggest evil in the entire system, it's the Fed. And that's kind of like, that's the root demon, is the fact that they are uh, have control of the Fed and essentially are able to fund themselves. So just to give a little bit of a context here, uh, I'm going to say it was about a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago, they started talking about that the Fed was going to implement into its policies, into its charter, not just balancing unemployment um, against basically inflation and the interest rate, but they were also going to start making considerations about bridging the gaps in uh, um, income equality between like racial groups. And what's fascinating about that is, is firstly, it's in, you're institutionalizing basically this idea of equality with the people that have money and it's like a socialist vision, but it's not just that the fed for years was saying we, they couldn't hit their 2% interest target rate, right? For, for years, they're trying to hit their 2%. They can't do like the, the fed is basically people they're in control and they keep lying to pretend like they can do their, their, their jobs impossible. And they don't understand the economy. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't have the tools. And then all of a sudden you're going to add this other thing for them to manage in this fictional world. Like what you're really basically doing is saying, Hey, are we going to prioritize the Fed using uh, using its power to pr promote like and what what are the consequences of that going to be? So it was kind of just put in there and you're like, all right, I don't think this is ever going to actually come to fruition because how can it? And then interestingly enough, this is the first time I'm seeing an article call out the Fed for it, which 
the essentially what certain economists were saying was if we raise the interest rates to combat inflation, it is not it's against the Fed's new goals of ending income disparity between racial groups because uh, minorities are the last to be hired. And so if we start cooling the economy now, these people are not going to get jobs, um, which is a tough place to be in that they've now painted the world in. Basically, you can choose between inflation or black jobs. I don't know how true that is, but that is what they're putting forward. So I've gone on a little bit of a rant here. And I, like I said, this is, by the way, this is some nerdy fucking finance shit right here to even delve into this mm -hmm. topic. Um, but it does kind of, I, I think, set the stage for the ESG conversation of kind of looking at some of the tools you're using to start really instituting socialist values that we never would have voted for. Yeah, I think this is an attempt and they'll probably use the employment rate of African-Americans and say, hey, there is the, there's a conflict of interest here. And it's really just more of the constant. It's really all about control is how I look at it. And so for the for the articles to come out and say, hey, the Fed, we we both know that interest rates have to be raised. And I have no beef with Donald Trump. But one of the biggest beef I have is that he always wanted to he wanted to keep them down. And when times are good. When times are good, you don't need it to be zero or wherever it was. And now now we've got to increase it to combat some of the things going on in the economy, in particular inflation, and they're not going to be able to do it. And in the end, Afri if they really cared about African-Americans, they would explain how inflation is a tax and a tax that affects you more. Well, so it's so funny because no, you're right, because people with wealth are better protected for the inflation. If you own your stocks, you own your house, if the Fed decides we're going to go with this hyperinflationary model, so then people that have shit are going to be the best off. So this is kind of what we're talking about, where they get to pretend like they're the nice guy. And I'm talking in theoretical that they end up going. I, I don't think they would do this, but they might go theoretically. Uh, listen, we understand that there's inflation, but it's part of our charter that we have to end wealth disparity. And so we're going to stick with a higher growth model to ensure that African-Americans are able to enter the employment market. And so they pretend like they're doing everyone a favor and that they're trying to. And what they're really doing is actually helping the wealthy. And that people that are in these assets will be protected. They can keep propping up the stock market. And then the exact poor people that they're pretending to help out. Yeah, I guess you're going to work a job. But what are you going to be able to afford with that $15 an hour that you're only making the 15 because, I mean, they had to. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same mm -hmm. thing where they're pretending to help. Yeah. And it's it's again on the under the guise of something great. I think it. I think they're concerned about the future of the African-American vote and the pandemic highlighted that many African-Americans based on the stats were hesitant to take that thing, the experimental drug. And I think that that means they failed the purity test. So a lot of this stuff is oh, basically the purity, the purity test is like, we told you to do something. Will you do it? And it happened in the army, you know, all workforce everywhere. And so they're hedging their bet, bets with immigration but right now, they still need the African-American identity, those who view skin color as their primary identity, to be on board. So they know things are going to be tough. So the, I think I think it's a virtue signal to even bring up race in this regards here. By the way, you, you raised some very uh, interesting ideas there. And I, I'd like to start with uh, the, the, the identity thing that you said. Uh, 
I found this Eastern philosopher named Gearchif, and he talks quite a bit about how like you have multiple eyes and there's no read, no need for identification. And, uh, and rational terms, what he means by that is we spend a lot of times running like almost our computer software to justify our actions or kind of to uh, like weigh a singular identity against our choices. And just in rational terms, I look at like you're, you're wasting a lot of computer hardware that you can be used on other things. Uh, and I do think people kind of get sucked into identifying with certain things like that doesn't necessarily help them. And so you've kind of pointed out that, you know, there's some individuals that are like they're really focused on team white or team black. And like, they're like, they've made that their identity. And it's interesting because most people don't realize it's a part of your like psychology is that you don't have to identify as that. Like you can kind of pick something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the president nominates someone based on their gender and skin color, something he didn't have to tell anyone. He could have right. had that in his head. He could have nominated. He could have even said, even he could have had it. Yeah. He could have had mean it in to his her. Head. It's it's very disrespectful to her, and I think all women and people who identify with skin color. But he could have had in his head that I'm going to do a African. I'm going to choose an African American woman, and then he could have projected, "I'm looking for the best person to prop her up," and say, "Hey, I'm looking for the best person. I'm going to do a full search." And he didn't do that because he, this. It's all about that. Here's my signal. That's what Disney's doing. Disney didn't have to announce they're going to do 50% of a representation of uh, oppressed groups by the end of the year. They could have just done it. They had no obligation to, and that kind of goes into the CSG route, why they're announcing it. But when, when people announce stuff like that, when they don't really need to, it's a red flag for me. That's because it, it just showcases the fact that there's, uh, I, I guess, an agenda. But I think you're right with the signal. It's like you're putting up your signal for people that don't want to look any bit deeper. It's like throwing up the bat flag kind of thing where it's like you're just letting people know, hey, like when banks were to kind of decorating themselves for uh, for gay pride, it's like you're, you're aggressively throwing up a signal. Yep, it's nothing more. And most people are normies. They don't know what's going on. They got lives to live and kids to play with, dogs and whatever. And they see that and it registers. Yeah, they're like, all right, that's enough for me. Uh, mm -hmm. All right, so let's delve into the ESG stuff because uh, this is still not something that's on most people's radar. Uh, it's finally starting to get a little bit more coverage. And uh, like I said, the core of it, it's just a way for the largest corporations to maintain their power over the economy to ensure that they don't have to really compete and in invent and offer us goods and services of value. Uh, and if you kind of just understand the way that people pretend like, hey, we're helping you out, and then they basically just institutionalize socialism so that they can control aspects of the economy, I can see these things. Like, I can see that that's what's going on here. Most people, it's like layers of kind of things that you have to be aware of, of the way that evil works, the economy works, the way they sell these ideas. Uh, so I'm curious to know, because most people aren't even aware of the fact that ESG exists or that it's out there. And if they saw it, they're like, oh, good. The largest corporations are starting to care about the environment. Yes. Yeah. The big banks love the environment. They really <laughs> care. So what was it that kind of grabbed your interest about it that you were able to kind of firstly, like, how do you even become aware of the fact that it existed? And then what was it about it that you're that just like didn't sniff the smell like that you just call you were like, I know this is bullshit. Yeah, I've had a theory for a long time on the individual level that 
the cabal people in charge, they will have to implement a social credit score at some point on individuals. The, I found out about this through the pandemic. Australia was doing a lot of stuff where you had to show your ID just to get on social media. I think they still have that in play. They had an app where they're tracking you. And I think they were going towards that social credit score. China already is trialing it right now. And so I was started there. And then I forget who brought up CSG. I forget where I found, found out about it. But I was like, wait a second. That sounds like a social credit score for companies. Yeah. And it's already happening. And, I, and then I tied it into these, these woke programs that fail. All these woke different TV shows and um, you, if you want to talk about Disney with the Marvel, Eric July talks about it all the time. They race swap and all that. And a lot of them fail. These projects aren't making money. And I'm like, wait, in a free market, who makes a product there's no demand for that we know there's no demand for? And then I tied it into like, oh, I should look into that ESG stuff. And ESG, for those, if you don't know the acronym, it's environmental, social, and then corporate governments is the G part. No one can define this thing. You ask a CEO what ESG is, they'll sound like Kamala Harris in a press conference. It's just complete word salad, um, all these vague terms. It's because you can't define it. One day it's the pandemic response. The next day it's Ukraine. Then it's Black Lives Matter. It, there's no, it's all completely subjective. Uh, all right. So one of the biggest stories that came with the ESG, uh, this was this, um, I, I mean, this just happened. I think it was last week or maybe the week before you got this guy. I think his name's Eric uh, Gansler. And sometimes you can just tell that like the teams people are playing for. I can just tell that guy's on team evil. So in terms of uh, pushing the ESG stuff forward, so to paint a little bit of the picture here, you got BlackRock and other companies that uh, BlackRock, firstly, they work hand in hand with the Fed. When they were doing the bailouts of the big banks and the bond buying, they were taking the money. BlackRock was given the money to go into the market. And so like private, public, government, these two companies are highly connected. Now, BlackRock is in the ESG racket, right? That is their like that is their investment strategy at this point. Uh, now they make other investments like it's not I mean, they got nine trillion dollars under assets. But one of the things that they are clearly pushing forward is with the ESG investing. Now, part of the issue with the ESG investing is the compliance that you're going to actually need companies to start basically giving you the information and, of whether or not like they're engaging in, you know, the ESG behavior. So what are the ESG behaviors? So firstly, it's the are you promoting minorities? Are you promoting women? Uh, are you uh, global warming? It's the social credit system that you were describing. It's things that we wouldn't vote on. So all of a sudden it becomes so how are you going to track these things? And what they want to do is basically remove your funding if you're not advancing this woke agenda. So like if you're advancing the woke agenda, then you can get your financing. And if you're not, you can't get your financing. Like you said, it removes the element of the free market because you don't have to go create value, right? You don't, you can start all of a sudden there's funding for shit that nobody wants. And for things that people actually want, they get defunded because you can't, you know, you get priced out of the market because, you know, you can't, they, they, they crash your stocks or whatever else. So this was a big pawn piece in terms of moving this forward. I'll just read the headline. This is from uh, NPR. The SEC wants companies to disclose how climate change is affecting them. Uh, did you read any of the coverage of uh, of this new rule? It was just last week. This is pretty new. 
I saw the headline and it, it's not surprising to me uh, that it's they're going to have to find a way to, like you said, tan find a way to control this stuff in a tangible manner. Because the way that I see it now with ESG, a lot of companies, you can go to any big company and just search ESG and they all have a separate website for it. It's all vague. There's not much substance there. Even with the climate change stuff, they'll put some stuff like we've done this, and but it's not deep. So now for the government to really control it, um, they would have to put some regulations on it. But I think ultimately this is a way to maybe it's easier for people to relate if you're just kind of getting into it. If you know what happened with Daily Wire recently. I they're, don't. They're OK, so let, so let me break it real quick. Daily Wire versus Harry's Razors. So Harry, Harry's Razors went woke and they were a sponsor on Daily Wire. Then they canceled because Daily Wire had a conversation they didn't agree with. And this was on gender. It was right. a year ago. So Daily Wire, they are becoming leaders in this field where they said, we're going to come out with our own razors awesome. just to combat you. Awesome. And so that's why you need the social credit score for businesses. Right. Because but the the the. the because you can't control them. Businesses can fight back in this social war we're in if they're not controlled. And Daily Wire is not only doing that, they announced the uh, Daily Wire Kids. They're making their own movies. And the kids is in response to the Disney um, announcement. So the awesome. point, my point is, yeah, Daily Wire, the only reason, well, I won't want to say the only reason, but the reason they can do that, they're privately owned. Right. These other companies, Disney, like you got Vanguard, you got BlackRock, they... Together, they own probably about 15% of Disney alone, and they can, they can control the markets in a large way, but not for the private companies. So that's another way to kind of hedge your bets to make sure that a company like Disney goes against DeSantis, who is right now anti-establishment, basically. Right, because there's more money in terms of aligning yourself with government and all the money that comes downstream from the Fed and government spending uh, than there is in actually being in the marketplace. And speaking to your uh, the Daily Wire thing, I pitched I, I, behind the scenes. I do a lot of the advertising over at Gas Digital. Gas Digital, if there was one product that would make sense for our audience, it's 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 booze. I mean, you can go to any event like and like it's incredible the way our audience drink. Like we're, we're a drinking bunch. That's, that's who we are. There's no product that would make more profits advertising with us. And then it's like, so why aren't you here? And so I finally managed to have a conversation with uh, someone who works in the advertising space, specifically with beer. Uh, and what, what was basically said to me was that all of the beer companies are kind of in agreement of the places where they will advertise. And there's certain content that none of them will touch. And like, they're all in agreement. We're not going to go touch this stuff. Right. Yeah. Be like, because, because they all know that there's profits on the table. So like, if anyone goes there, they're all going to go there because it's literally the right audience for their product. I wanted to create a fuck you whiskey corp. That was my idea that we should just start selling our own whiskey and, and, and basically make the pitch to quit supporting. Like, by the way, dude, I'm a big fan of like bourbons and rise, but you look at your bourbons and rise and they're actually like, they all pretend like they're uh, American Kentucky. They're owned by like fucking German conglomerates. So my pitch was, I wanted to educate the consumers, quit supporting German conglomerates that are pro censorship and a woke agenda. And you know, buy fuck you whiskey, which is like directly owned by us and supports the content that you like. And I'm rambling quite a bit. I'm giving a big picture. Anyone out there listening, you can assume that I'm full of shit. And I'm lying to you. Uh, 
but it speaks to exactly what you and I are talking about, where it's like these companies are it's not that they're not interested in profit. It's that they're like even Facebook, like look at Facebook. That's a pretty good example. It used to be people just posted, even if it was fucking nonsense conspiracy theory and everyone hung out there because there was interesting shit. And then they realized that, oh, we're going to be in too much trouble with government if a guy like Donald Trump gets elected. So we're going to make our product worse because that's the only way that we can viably still exist in the market. And so that's what you and I are talking about, that it's not about having a product of value. It's about making sure that you're aligned with governments, that your business can continue to exist. And how scary is that? It's yeah. just to realize that we're in America and it's not, I mean, I know our markets were never truly free, but this is a whole nother level than we've ever seen before. You can't get advertisers because they're worried about, or they all agree. I mean, we're talking about like collusion type stuff. We're talking about non-elected, who decides ESG? Non-elected officials. We have no say in this stuff and they're, and it's tied into the WEF. I mean, it's really, I don't want to be too alarmist because I think humans will survive. We'll, we'll be living under a communist type of platform, but I, th I think we'll survive. But I think at the end, the goal is to make moves like China, in my opinion. In China, the large companies in China all have a member of the CCP on their board. And that's it. If you notice in the social part of ESG, Robbie, they're, they're pushing a lot on board representation. Who, what type of representation do you have on your board? So they'll use the color of skin or some other identity to get somebody on the board of these large companies that's down with the global agenda. Uh, so that's, that's the goal. In a, in a sense, you could have China, a Chinese-like system here uh, with the Constitution in a way. Well, yeah, it's the way of kind of um, implementing it. So just going back to this uh, this article from NPR, the SEC wants companies to disclose how climate change is affecting them. So this guy Gensler, and this is exactly what you and I are talking about of their manipulative bullshit goes, it's clear that the marketplace has spoken and that they're looking for this, that essentially investors are looking for companies that are, SE, are, are um, ESG compliant. But wait a second, if the market wanted that, Right. Do we need government to step in and make that information available? If the market really wanted that, if investors really wanted that, then don't you think that the companies that were looking for the funding would give those investors what they wanted? Or when you're telling me that the market's looking for it because there's nine trillion, it's not the market. Maybe it's just BlackRock. Maybe it's the particular people in power who like this is always their claim of, hey, I'm helping you out. Well, do I need if if we really wanted it, it's like. Think of any good and service in your life that you want. If you really want it, you went outside and you're yelling that you want it. Like someone might just go, oh, yeah, I can do that for you. Think of anything. I bet if I walked outside my door right now and screamed, hey, I'm looking for heroin. Now, a cop might get to me first, but you might have some guy. I live in the street down here. Some guy. Yeah, I can get you that. I mean, I've never tried it. I've never tried just going outside and yelling what I was looking for. But imagine if you literally just held wads of cash in your hand and yelled into the street, I'm looking for this. Someone would bring it to you. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that hard for the market to get you things that you want. Like, there's a thought experiment. Go outside tomorrow with mm -hmm. wads of cash and yell that you're looking for something. Someone will stop. Wait, what do you need? You want you want the grocery? Yeah, I'll go get you your groceries. How much are you going to pay me? Like, they'll get it to you. Anytime they're claiming government needs to step in to ensure that you're get like, no, it doesn't. Like, you're clearly lying. Yep.
you're clearly lying or you know the market doesn't want it and you want to, for whatever reason, control it. Yeah, so you're but pretending. Yeah. And and, and, and yeah. then in this case, when they go the mark, like it's clear that investors, wait, are you talking about the one investor with $9 trillion? Mm -hmm. Is that mm -hmm. the investor that you're talking about, the most powerful person that's trying to control the market? Then yes, I, I guess so. Uh, all right, before we move on from ESG, anything else that you think people should be uh, aware of or like kind of avenues of interest within like the, the topic? I, I'm a big fan of the Mikas Caucus. I'm a big fan of what y'all are doing. Uh, that's, my, that's what I'd like to end on. The theme that we've talked about here this whole time all revolves around liberty. And I know people have, are on different spectrums of it, but I have never, I'm not an expert in the Libertarian Party, but since Ron Paul, I've never seen the energy like it is now. And it's a testament to you guys um, and what you're doing. Thanks, man. And uh, let everyone know where, uh, where they can uh, find your, you know, all your content and keep in touch. Yeah. Yeah. You can search me on Twitter. That's stuck in the mid. And then if you search on YouTube, I picked a, a name that's very general. So search stuck in the middle critical because I do a lot of videos on critical theory and you'll find me. Thanks a lot. Excellent. Hey, man, this was a pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. And uh, let's do it again. Where uh, where do you actually reside? Like where's uh, where's hometown for you? Colorado. Beautiful state of Colorado. There's, I was there's a lot of, oh, were you just there? I was actually just there skiing, but we're going to be doing summer porch tour out uh, probably about 45 minutes out of uh, Denver. So uh, I'll hit you up. You should definitely come hang out when we, uh, we're going to be out in the woods, throwing a big old party, doing some stand up and a live podcast. So uh, definitely come out for that. Yeah. Let me know. I'll be out there. Thanks, Robbie. All right. It's a pleasure. Have a good one, dude. Yep. Take care.